<sighs> Last week we spoke about how the Lord speaks. And we thought about different ways that he spoke through through nature and the things that God has created are evidence not only of his existence but is his handiwork. And this morning we want to continue on that theme of God speaking. And this would be part two of that. And we will begin in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. <coughs> Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seek singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And this is an expression of fellowship. <clears throat> it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The necessity of fellowship, of having a relationship with one another, of loving one another as brothers and sisters, and having a relationship with each other, in which the Word of God here says, speaking with one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That God speaks to us through each other. And in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, we have a similar statement. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Very similar to what we read in Ephesians chapter 5. But in this, it talks about teaching each other. And the word admonish, which we don't use too often anymore. It's an old, it's an old world word. Admonish means to warn and to correct. Teach, correct, and warn each other. <coughs> Excuse me. These are words of which... We help one another, and God speaks to us through each other. And we also read that in the book of James, it says, Brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth, and one of you turns him back, it says, Let him know that one who does this shall save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This importance of fellowship we see is being emphasized in that God is speaking to us through each other. God has, I remember one time, more than one time, I was talking to new Christians, and God spoke to me through a young Christian more than once, many times, that freshness of it and the vibrance and the energy 
that a new Christian can bring and the excitement of being a new believer. I can remember uh, God even speaking uh, through many different uh, circumstances in fellowship. And it is a message to us of the importance of fellowship. This week we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we don't have time to look at that now. But one of the things that the statement that Paul asks is, he's talking about we're different members of the body, and God has set each member as he's chosen within the body. <coughs> and those that are very weak, even he has set in the body for purposes Maybe that we can't see or understand. Unless we're really in tune. But one of the things that Paul asks, he says, Shall the arm say to the foot, I have no need of you? And you know, <clears throat> we can miss the boot when it comes to the importance of fellowship. Can we say we don't really need each other? And yet God has set this, this whole organized thing, this body called the church, the body of Christ. He has set it in such a way that we need each other. And if we don't recognize that, not just in meetings, but in relationship, in fellowship with one another, Hmm. We'll read a couple others. One is in uh, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 and verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Mm -hmm. In the King James it says to provoke one another to love and good works, or to, here it says to stir up one another to love and good works. <coughs> One of the purposes of having a relationship with each other that God uses to speak to each other and to is to encourage one another in our, in our time together. And it's, it, this is speaking specifically of meetings, not forsaking the gathering of our assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some. But it goes beyond that time of, of meetings, and it in relationship, to in, the word exhort means to encourage one another. And it says uh, to consider how we can, God can use us to, to stir each other up. How can God use me? And to seek God in prayer. How can God use me to be an encouragement to build up my brothers and sisters in Christ? Not just to build up myself, but to build each other up. How can I build up the members of my family? How can I build up my wife, my husband? 
How can I build up my children? How can I how can God use me? Consider how God can speak through me. Can we be a vessel of honor that God can use? That God can use as a mouthpiece to speak through. Because God is speaking through his church. God is speaking through us. If we allow him to. But encourage one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. The day of the Lord. The closer we come to the day of Christ, he says, the more we should do it. And that's something we'll talk about a little later. By the way, for the young folks, this is the, the questions today are going to be on the things that we read in this meeting, the scriptures we read on in this meeting. So I throw that in there. And another one in the book of Hebrews is in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now in here it talks about the responsibility of brothers and sisters in Christ toward each other. We have a responsibility for our own walk. We have a responsibility for each other. And it says, beware. It's talking about an evil heart of unbelief departing from the Lord. And it says, but instead, it says to exhort, or to, the word exhort again meaning encourage, encourage one another daily. We don't have meetings daily. Daily means every day. As we come in contact with each other, as we communicate with each other, to be an encouragement to each other. Let God speak through us. I know recently, in recent past couple of years, Kate has actually gone on to Facebook just to continue her mother's ministry of putting Bible verses on Facebook at different people. And you know, and even unbelievers have commented positively for some of the things that, uh, that the Word of God has spoken to them. Different ways we can encourage one another in the church and even outside the church. That God can use us, that God can speak through us. God is speaking through us to each other. And God is speaking to us, to the unbelievers. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Our life and our words, God will use them and speak through them to save people. Not just the televangelists, not just people on TV preaching. God can use each of us to speak to one another, to speak to the unbeliever. God speaking through us. Be reconciled to God. As we read in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
It's as though God is speaking through us. Make peace with God. God is speaking through us. To each other in the church, and also to those who are not yet saved. In ways that we may not even realize, through our words, through our actions, through our attitude, through our way of life. It says, Peter says that people will think it's strange that we don't uh, live in the same excess of indulgence as they do. In other places it says that people ask, be ready to, a- to answer what is, what is the reason for the hope that's in us. People will see that there's something in us, a hope in us, that they don't have. And it's real. Some weeks ago, Dave gave a testimony of somebody who said to them, you have something, and I want to know what it is. The testimony of the Christian life, the Christian attitude, the peace that passes all understanding, what is that? God is speaking through us in many ways. To those who are in darkness. The light in the darkness. You are the light of the world in the dark world. You and me are the light of the world. Jesus said he was the light of the world. And he said that we are the light of the world. As we follow him. We walk in the spirit. <clears throat> Encourage one another daily. The Christian responsibility to one another. The seeing of the need. One of the things that was impressed upon me, that God God impressed upon me early in my Christian life, was the need for fellowship. And how did it happen for me? Well, the first couple years of my Christian life, I didn't really know any Christians except a couple of people who became believers that I, in my family who I talked to. But I was kind of just, I really didn't have fellowship. And I remember one time, uh, my bro- one brother who became a believer, he uh, was part of a church, and he invited me to become part of their baseball team, softball team. Uh, it was like a church league thing, and I, I remember joining it and... One day, the uh, the assistant pastor of his church, when I was sitting down with him, we would talk to him. Nice guy. Really nice guy. And uh, one day, I was telling him about this uh, book I was reading about a guy named Herbert Armstrong. And it was uh, it was about this strange teaching about end times. And, you know, I don't go into all of it. But, you know, he said to me, after he listened to me for a few minutes, he said, you know what? He said, you really ought to be careful. He says... Armstrongism is actually a cult, and some of that stuff in there isn't biblical. And I was stunned and shocked. And, and then I went back and I started looking more carefully. And that guy's right. That brother was right. I began to realize that, you know, and, and I, I was hearing preachers on the radio and on TV saying, talking about the need for fellowship. And I realized, and I began to feel kind of silly. I realized, you know, I really got deceived and, and began to realize the need for fellowship and the need for one another. And that God needed, you know, and, and I realized as I started committing to that and started visiting different churches and started getting plugged into church 
the church world, Christendom and everything, uh, that God was using different people. I'm starting to grow. First couple of years, it was very uh, fits and starts, but I started to grow as a Christian. And it was through, God was using, God was speaking to me through fellowship. And since then, kind of laid a foundation for the, to me for the importance of fellowship. And it's not just me saying, I mean, you see it here, what we're reading. <clears throat> As we read about the evil, unbelieving heart, it talks about instead of that, to beware of that instead, to encourage one another daily. God is using each of us in the body to encourage one another, to build each other up, to strengthen one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the different gifts within the body of Christ to build one another up to, so that we become mature. God is speaking through each other. <clears throat> in the Gospel of Matthew... In chapter 18, it talks about um, the prayer of agreement. If any of you agree together, ain't two, if two of you agree together concerning anything in this earth, it will be done by my Father in heaven. Because where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The importance of establishing relationships, having prayer partners, having prayer meetings, you know, having... <clears throat> Um, a brother or sister that we can really um, confide in. Last week, Gabriel was talking about uh, the this, this discovery of <clears throat> him and Megan, a husband and wife, reading the Word of God together. And they just started, and they're... they're, they're they're in the start of the New Testament together. And they're going through the Gospel of Matthew first. And he said, what, a, what a, a difference that is made for them to read the Word and to pray together. And how it has changed things so much in their relationship. Because fellowship amongst believers, God uses one another to speak to one another. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, If we walk in the light, as He, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There is a connection between our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. For walking in the light, for walking in the Spirit, there's a connection. With one another that we don't have and we're not walking in the spirit and so these kinds of things we have to 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 rake in and take consideration to to understand that god is speaking to us to one another it's another way he's speaking to us and the importance and not saying well we don't need each other have we may never say that, but we might have that kind of attitude about fellowship and about being having relationships, close relationships with one another in the church. There was a brother uh, who moved out to Arizona. Some of you know him, Reed Marino, who used to talk about James 
where it's in chapter 5 where it says confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that we might be healed um, <clears throat> it's really hard to confess your faults to people that you don't know real well mm. that you don't have an intimate relationship with that's kind of that's hard to do I mean sometimes you do but the point is and the point that he tried to make is that you know <clears throat> fellowship uh, should bring about and you know a culturing of fellowship should bring about intimacy and closeness and as we get in that closeness we begin to discuss our struggles as we feel comfortable we, we develop a, a, a comfort zone within our relationship to be able to talk to one another and to and to un, you know to share our burdens with one another and to so that we can pray we know how to pray for each other then and the respect that that of the of that um, of that um, sharing with one another should have that we should respect it and respect one one another's confidence and you know if we don't if we're not really have a closeness with one another we don't know whether we can have we can trust each other's confidence to get to know each other a very important aspect of fellowship to be able to, conf to be able to speak about our struggles to one another that that takes uh, intimacy, closeness, to be able to do that, and you know, to feel have a comfort and to have uh, that kind of uh, thing. I'm kind of repeating myself, but you know what I, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Right? <coughs> so I'm going to move on from there to another way that God is speaking. Uh, shift gears here a little bit. And that comes from Matthew chapter 16. Okay. <laughs> Matthew 16, verses 1 to 3. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Mm -hmm. One passage says, how is it that you can, you can do this, but not discern the signs of the times? Jesus was talking here about an old world way of recognizing what kind of weather you're going to have the next day. Before AccuWeather or anything else, People used to look at the sky at night, and if it was red, uh, they, <clears throat> then uh, the next morning, the next day was supposed to be nice weather. But if it's red in the morning, then <clears throat> it's bad weather that day. <clears throat> I have a friend of mine <clears throat> used to be a fisherman down in Cape May, New Jersey, and uh, 
he said the saying they used to have was red sky at night sailors delight red sky in the morning sailors warning it was an old world way of before they had all the weather instruments and everything else and even now it's not that it's not as accurate as we'd like it to be but the point is that Jesus was trying to make getting back to that was he says you know how to discern the face of the sky, with the weather through the signs in the sky. And he goes, but how is it you cannot discern the signs of the times? That you can't don't recognize the signs of the times. And Jesus was speaking about, in his generation, that the Jewish people were still talking about the coming of the Messiah. I mean, if you talk to many Jews today, they don't even believe that there's a Messiah. They don't believe in the God of Israel anymore. There are many of them are in unbelief. <clears throat> some of them do, and some of them even believe in Jesus as the Christ. But precious few. But in Jesus' time, they're waiting for the Messiah. <clears throat> and he's and he's doing all these signs and wonders. He's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. Cleansing lepers. Doing all kinds of miracles. Feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fishes. He just goes on and on. Turning water into wine. <clears throat> and if you look at verse 4, or verse 1, I'm sorry, what we just read. They asked Jesus to show them a sign from heaven. <laughs> In the book of Isaiah, it talks about the blind seeing, the lame walking. There's signs that <clears throat> Jesus was asked by the disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist sent him from prison. His disciples, they asked Jesus, Are you the Messiah? Is there somebody else? Is there somebody else coming? Well, wait a second. John the Baptist pointed at, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But when John was in prison, he began to have doubts. <clears throat> and Jesus' response to his disciples is, Go back and tell John in prison, The lame walk, the blind are seeing, the dead are raised. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. <clears throat> so Jesus was confirming, yes, he is the Messiah. He was quoting from the, the book of Isaiah. And so Jesus was doing all these signs. And they didn't recognize him. And Jesus, when he wept over Jerusalem, and he talked about how he... He prophesied how Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. He wept over Jerusalem and talked about the destruction of Jerusalem and the massacre that was going to happen at the end of that generation. And he says, because you did not know the time of your visitation, the visiting of the Messiah to them and giving his life for them and the judgment that came upon them. God was speaking to them that's why he said, 
How is it you don't discern the signs of this time? God was speaking to them through the things he was doing, things Jesus was doing, the things Jesus was speaking. Jesus' life, his testimony, it was clear. And yet the, the disciples, I mean the Pharisees, the religious people, they weren't getting what God was speaking. Give us a sign from heaven. And there were signs all over the place that he was the Messiah. God was speaking. They didn't have ears to hear. We remember the words Jesus said. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And also in the book of the Revelation. <clears throat> uh, where he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To have ears to hear. As God is speaking. And you know, <clears throat> God is speaking to our generation too. There are signs of the times all around us. They're everywhere. <clears throat> the nation of Israel, back in their homeland. In the last days, it says in the book of Zechariah that Jerusalem will be a burdensome stone to all the nations around it. It says there will be signs of earthquakes and famines and pestilences. And we see the word pestilence standing out like a sore thumb as we've seen uh, the COVID plague that came upon us and other things that, from, that have come and are still with us and some have gone. But the point is, is that <clears throat> there are signs in this generation there are more earthquakes. People have more people have died in earthquakes <clears throat> in the last century than have died than have recorded a dying in all the centuries before that. We live in an age of earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars. In the past week, another war has broken out. A hundred years ago, we had. The, the, what they called the Great War, the war, the end all wars, World War One, in which five million soldiers died, plus about a, another three million civilians. And you were hard to believe the carnage of that. And that war to end all wars, that peace lasted 20 years, and you had, a, a, you had even a more massive war. Um, World War Two, which about 50 million people died. Plus, not mention all the casualties. And then many wars after that. And rumors of wars, the Cold War. And we have the rumors of international nuclear war and all this other stuff. And Jesus said, unless those days would be shortened, no one would survive. It takes today's technology to completely obliterate a civilization. But Jesus said, because... But my elect, those who are his, those days will be shortened. Not only did he save us from our sins, but he will save the human race from complete destruction. The signs are all around us. As we go to <clears throat> Luke 17... 
God is speaking to us through current events, through things that are happening in our lifetime. Luke 17. Beginning in verse 26 to verse 36. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in those days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever sees, seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. Jesus gives us here some signs that speak to our time. The days of Noah were days of violence and corruption. It says that man's heart was only continually to do evil. You don't have to look very hard to see the corruption around us. It's everywhere in our society. It's on the internet, you know. Uh, I remember one person who talked to me about the internet and said that it was a, he described it as a world of iniquity. It can be used for many good things too, I'm not saying that, but there's a lot of garbage on there, a lot of, like an open sewer. And so, the point is, is that this is the world we live in now. A completely uncensored world where... Everything, a lot of things that were at one time restrained, are no longer being restrained. And you see the, the violence. You know, I, I, I go look at the news on my phone, Reaction News, and it talks about every day you see shootings in Philadelphia and even here in Norristown, there's... There are people dying of shootings every day. A lot of them are really young. And the, and the violence in schools and, and in workplaces and nightclubs and you just name it. There's violence everywhere. Man's heart continually to do evil. Vi domestic violence. You know, just every kind of violence you can imagine. 
and just getting worse. And Jesus also talked about it being like the days of Lot, where God just pulled Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was a time that was a place of great sexual perversion and immorality. And uh, like I said, you don't have to look very far to see that. And it says that Lot was vexed every day with the, with the corruption that was all around him. As we are vexed as we look around us, is a corrupt world and, and a dark world. And as Jesus said, evil men would grow worse and worse. This is the world we live in today. And it is speaking to our generation. It is speaking to this generation of Christendom. That get ready. Because he's coming. And it says that two people will be in the field. One will take another left behind. Jesus is talking about the days of his coming here. Verse 22, as we go back to it. Then he said to his disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. This is the day of Jesus' return he's talking about. That it would be a day like, a time like the time of Noah and the time of Lot. That was so corrupt. How corrupt was the days of Noah? He drowned the whole earth. Except for Noah and his family. That's how corrupt it was. He started over. He destroyed all of creation. How corrupt was the days of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the cities around it? He destroyed the cities with fire. And in the book of Jude, it says it was an example to those who would live immoral after that. It's a warning. How God, seriously, God takes all this. How seriously we should take it. And it's a witness from every generation after that. Yes, an immoral, perverted world that we live in. And we see it all around us. And it's speaking to us. But are we aware of it? Are we in tune with what God is saying about the time we live in? And what need there is for each of us to shine our lights in this darkness. Because the darkness is getting darkness, darker. And how God can use us in this darkness if we're available. God is speaking. Are we hearing the call? Are we taking heed to the call? God is speaking to us through all these circumstances. And he's telling us to get ready. Who is the wise and faithful servant? Servant Who's watching, waiting, and occupying until he comes. And he speaks of that through all of his messages about his second coming. When these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with overindulgence.
drunkenness, the cares of this life, and that day come you upon you unexpected, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch therefore and pray always, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Be ready for when he comes. Be preparing and be ready to be in the field, one to take another left behind. Two women grinding at the mill, one take another left behind. And just goes on and on. Talking about people who Jesus takes to be with him. Commonly known in the church as the rapture. And people left behind. When is the rapture coming? We don't know. Jesus says the Son of Man is coming at a time you don't expect. And a day and an hour that the angels didn't know, but only the Father knows. We don't know. Anybody gives you a day, don't believe it. Because we don't know. But as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in the marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into thief in the night. It says that the Lord's coming will be like in the thief in the night, Paul wrote. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler of his house, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whose master, when he comes, will find so doing. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying in his coming, and the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him, an hour that he's not aware of. I have heard Christians say, or people in Christendom say, Oh, he's not coming for a long, long time. My answer to them is always the same. Well, how do you know? In Second Thessalonians, it says that there's a restrainer of evil. But it says that restrainer of evil will be taken away. And then the man of sin will be revealed. The Antichrist. The restrainer of evil, as we, day to day, we can see that that restrainer is being removed day by day. You know, in God's way, however he's doing it. That restraint of evil and that's why it's becoming a Sodom and Gomorrah world that's why it's becoming a pre-flood world because that restrainer is being taken away 
we read in the book of Revelation about the mark in the hand and in the forehead. If you look at the old King James, it says in, not on. Newer translations, I guess, thought that that was a mistake and they translated on. But the older translations write in the right hand and in, in the forehead. The mark of the beast. And now we, we, we see that it makes sense, the word in, because we see the computer chip implants and all the technology is here to control all the world's transactions through a mark in the hand and in the forehead. Uh, you know, in the body. It can be read through technology we have now. It's there. And we also see the technology where communication is increased between different languages. They have all kinds of methods now. Technology methods to be able to understand other languages very quickly and very simply through the technology we have now. But if we go back to the book of Genesis, we read about Babylon. We read about the Tower of Babel and God looking at it and says, there's not going to be any restraint of any evil that they might do now. Nothing shall be withheld from them. And so what did God do? He says he confused their languages. So they separated from one another. What we see with today's technology, that's being reversed. We read in the book of Revelation about mystery Babylon, using the word Babylon. <clears> hmm. <throat> There's an advertisement on the, that I hear on the radio about, a, about a, an app that you can get or, or a, a, a system that you can buy, and it's called Babel. And it's, uh, uh, it's where you can learn new languages very simply, very easily. And they actually use the word Babel, which is where the word uh, Babel comes from, the word Babylon, where the, where the languages are confused. happening in our time. God is speaking to us through the things he has spoken in his word, and he's speaking to us and confirming them through what is going on in the world around us today. We might be skeptical, cynical, blow it off, but Jesus warned. That's the person who gets careless. He's blowing it off. Ah, the Lord's not coming for a long time. Jesus specifically talked about that person who pushed it aside as being the person who's not going to be ready. Pointed right to that person. Hey, you are not going to be ready if you have a cavalier, careless attitude about the signs of the time. You can tell the face of the weather, but how is it you cannot discern the signs of the times? That was for the generation of Jesus' first coming, and that is for the generation of Jesus' second coming. Is Jesus coming in our lifetime? I don't know the day or the hour. But what Jesus said was this. Look at the fig tree and all the other trees. When you see that the leaves are sprouting on the trees, you know that summer is near. He was talking about that concerning the signs of the times. That would be an indication that his coming is near. He said it would be near at that very door. At the very door. When we see the signs of the times. So we can choose ignorance. Or we can prepare. God is speaking. 
Do we hear it? Are we getting it? Are we perceiving? Are we in a place where we have ears to hear and eyes to see what's going on around us and act accordingly? That's what I have, brothers.